Hey, this is David Dearman. I'm the pastor at Memphis Tabernacle, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. I hope that this message inspires you and builds your faith. I hope that it gives you fresh insight and strength to see God move in your life. Enjoy the message. Open your Bibles to Jeremiah chapter 9. Jeremiah chapter 9 and verse 23 is our text from this series, and I'm wrapping up this series today, the series of how to really know God. This is our fifth and last teaching today. And I want to read from Jeremiah chapter 9 and verse 23. It says, thus says the Lord, in fact, would you read it out with me? Ready? Read. Thus says the Lord, let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, let not the mighty man glory in his might, nor let the rich man glory in his riches, but let him who glories glory in this, that he understands and knows me. Can we say that last part? That he understands and knows me. So I'm wrapping up a series today. The first teaching was on simple fellowship. How do we really know God? We have to simply know how to fellowship with the Lord. You don't learn about someone by reading a book, you know, about them. I, I, when I was trying to get to know my wife, I didn't go get a book, you know, uh, Women for Dummies or anything, you know, book and, and read all about her and try to get to know her personally. No, I spent time with her and I can learn about her, but I can't really know her unless I spend time with her. You can't really know God by studying about God. That's why theology doesn't draw you closer to God. Sometimes people go, I want to get closer to God, so I want to go to Bible college. Can I tell you, I've watched, because I, I used to be a teacher at a Bible college for eight years, and I watched person after person come in with a zeal for God, and a year or two later, they walked out cold for the Lord. In fact, I even had friends who would walk in and they're on fire for God, loved God with all of their heart, and they've studied so much about God and stopped spending time with God that eventually they doubted that there was a God. Why? Because they lost who he was as a person. They lost their simple fellowship. Can I tell you, it doesn't matter where you are with the Lord. You have to spend time with him. We cannot skip over spending personal, one-on-one time with the Lord on a regular basis. And then number two was knowing God's word. If you want to know God, you have to get into what God's word says about him. Why? Because he sent his word to us to teach about himself. What he said is important. And then we talked about God's presence, being with God. Moses said, if your presence doesn't go with us, don't let us progress. I choose presence over progress. And then last week we talked about knowing God's voice. That if we don't hear the commands of the Lord and we don't know what God's saying to us, how are we going to know where God is leading us or what he's doing in our lives? It's important to know the voice of the Lord. And then today I want to conclude with a message similar to the very first message, but this one's called simple obedience. Simple obedience. Obedience. We started with simple fellowship, but it comes down to simple obedience. Our relationship with God it really isn't that difficult. It's about being with Him, about hearing Him, and then about walking out what He said to do. That's that's really what our relationship with the Lord is. I want you to turn to Exodus chapter thirty-three, Exodus chapter thirty-three and verse thirteen, and I want to remind you of a prayer that Moses prayed. Remember, Moses was called a friend of God. You talk about someone who really knew God, it was Moses. And Moses said in Exodus 33, verse 13, 
if it is true that you look favorably on me, let me know your ways so that I may understand you more fully and continue to enjoy your favor. I want you to notice what Moses prayed. Moses said, God, I don't want to just look at what you do and see your acts. See the things that you do and know you by just watching you from a distance. I want to know your ways. I want to know why you do what you do. I want to know the behind the scenes stuff about you, God. He said, so that I may understand you and really so that I may enjoy your favor. How many would say that's my prayer today? Yeah. I want to know the ways of God. I don't just want to watch God from a distance. You know, religion watches God from a distance. They learn the practices. They learn the, the things that you should do. They even learn to talk a certain way. Oh, praise the Lord. God is a good God, right? And, 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 no, and that's all good. I like that. I, I enjoy that. You say, uh, God is good. And you say, all the time. All the time, God is good. You know, you learn in church all these different things, which is good. I like them. I, I'm all about that, right? I like that. But if, if that becomes what God is to us, is a bunch of practices. Or, yeah, I know God, I can say the Lord's Prayer, right? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Oh, I could say Psalm 23 too. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Or you learn different prayers or you learn different stuff. Remember Jesus warned against those things and he said, see these people, they honor me with their lips. They know the right things to say, but their heart's far from me. Can I tell you, we have to keep our hearts close to the Lord. Even when you pray the Lord's Prayer, I think you should be praying it a little bit different every time. Why? Because nobody likes stale bread. People like fresh bread, right? If you're going to eat some bread, you want warm bread. You want fresh bread. I'll tell you what. Even if I go down to get a donut and I bring that donut home, I don't eat that donut just as it is. I put it in the microwave. You know why? I want some hot donut, <laughs> Right? Right, you, you get up in the morning and, and you, you take some bread out of the bread plastic. And what do you do in the mornings? You put it in the toaster. Why do you put it in the toaster? Because you want some hot bread. Right? You want some hot bread and you want some bread that you can put some butter on. Some, right? You know what? That's how prayer, sometimes we want to take these cold prayers out of this cold plastic and say, oh God, look at I know the prayer. And God's like, hey, warm it up a little bit. Warm it up with your heart. Can I tell you, God wants relationship. God's a person. And not only do you want relationship, God wants relationship, right? I couldn't imagine going out on a date with my wife and she has a list and she's like, okay, what are we supposed to do here? Okay, 710, we're supposed to be pulling in the parking lot. Okay, we're, we're supposed to be sitting down. What are we supposed to be discussing tonight? We're supposed to be, and I'd say, girl, no, this is not a date. This is a, an appointment, Right? We should be having times of refreshing in God's presence. We have to warm up our hearts to God's presence. That's why it's important to know God's presence. That's what, that's what Moses said. He said, let me know your ways, listen, so that I can understand you more fully and so that I can enjoy your favor. Lord, I don't want to just know you. I want to enjoy you. How many would say, I want to enjoy God? Yeah. We don't want to just come to church and say, when's it over? No, we want to enjoy the presence of God. Understand you and enjoy you. Can I tell you, when you really know someone, you can relax. When you really get to know somebody, you can relax around them. You know, have you ever been around someone that's really, you know, like an important person in your life? Or, and, and the first time you, you started saying things and, and you're nervous and, 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 and the, the way you talked, you know, and then you walk away and you're thinking, 
I was nervous. I said, did I say the wrong thing? And then you want to text them or, or you want to call them and say, I'm sorry, did I say too much? And, and Because you're nervous because you can't just sit and enjoy them. Do you know, when you don't spend time with God, it becomes your relationship with him, your communication with him becomes very cold. It becomes very distant. It becomes very relationally across the room rather than heart to heart and a closeness that you have with him. He said, so that I may understand and know you and enjoy you. When you know someone, you can relax around them. Uh, I know that we always keep a reverential fear of the Lord, but we should be able to relax and rest in his presence. Why? Because he's our father. In, in, in uh, Matthew chapter 6, he said, don't pray like the Pharisees and religious people. You know, Jesus took more time getting on the religious people than he did sinners. Because he said, you've equated your relationship with God to some practices that you do. And if our relationship with God boils down to practices that we do, then it's not about relationship. In fact, he said, when you pray, say, what's the first word he said? Our, what did he say? Our, what did he say? He said, your relationship with God starts with father and son, father and daughter. Starts with that, relational. God wants to be relational with you. And then in Psalm 103, it comments about Moses, and he says that God made known his ways to Moses, but his acts to the children of Israel. Israel could just look at God and say, look at how God is. Moses knew how God was because he knew God's ways. God wants to show us his ways. Can I tell you, one of the things that I've learned about God is in anything you want to receive from God, it's important to know that God wants to give it to you. If we don't start with that premise then we're always going to be a beggar begging God for something. Can I tell you, God wants to show you his ways. God wants to reveal himself to you. God wants to show you the deeper part of his heart. Hebrews eleven six 6 says, He who comes to God must believe the premise of our prayer is believing that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. If we don't come to God with the premise that he loves us and he wants to be with us and he wants to give it to us, then we pray from a position afar rather than up close. We must believe that he is and he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So I'm going to give you three points of what simple obedience does in our lives. We're talking about how to really know God. Simple obedience, number one, it qualifies us to see God's plans. Simple obedience qualifies us to see God's plans. Look in John chapter 15, down to verse 14. John 15, 14, and I want you to notice what Jesus said. He said, you are my friends if you do whatever I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends for all things that I heard from my father I have made known to you. Now, let's parallel this verse with the verse that he made known his acts to the children of Israel, but his ways to Moses. One had the inside scoop, one had the outside scoop, right? There was two different things. I want you to notice what Jesus said here in the New Testament. He said, you're my friends. He said, if you do whatever I command you, and I don't call you servants because a servant doesn't know what his master is doing. Notice that. If you're just a servant of God, 
then you just follow God from outside. God, you just tell me what to do, and I'm right, I'm right here. I'll just do whatever you tell me to do. I'm right over here, God. But if you're a friend of God, then you're someone who doesn't only obey God, but you know why he's doing what he's doing. And notice what Jesus said here. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. I remember when I first read that, I thought, I've heard that in preschool. Now, I'm not putting Jesus down or anything. You know what people say, I'll be your best friend. If you go get me, if you give me some of your milk at lunch, I'll, give, I'll be your best friend, right? BFF, I'll be your best friend. If you do what I tell you to do, if you follow me around, if you stand up for me, I'll be your best friend, right? This wasn't the way that Jesus was talking, like a, like a petty school ground conversation. No, what Jesus was saying is, I have a way that I'm walking. I'm walking and leading in the kingdom of God, in God's ways. There's a way that I'm walking. If you will listen to what I'm saying and walk with me, I won't treat you like a servant and just tell you what to do. But I'll tell you how I'm doing it, why I'm doing it, and I'll give you the inside scoop. If you'll follow me and walk in my ways, but if you don't follow me, if you can't even listen to the simple commands without doubting me, then I can treat you like a servant. In other words, you're going to do it anyway. At some point, every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess that he's Lord. But if you want to be a friend, do the simple things that I'm asking you to do. And I'll treat you like a friend and I'll show you the inside scoop. Read it again and I want you to see if this is what he's saying. You're my friends. If you do whatever I command you, no longer do I call you servants because a servant doesn't know what his master's doing. But I have called you friends for all the things I have from my father I have made known to you. You're a friend if you follow me. A servant doesn't know what his master's doing. You show your friends things, right? You show your friends how things work. I have a, a friend who does some magic tricks. You know, he'll, he'll do some uh, illusion. In church, you don't want to call it magic, right? It's the devil. So you say, call it illusion, okay? You say illusion. So they'll do, he'll do some illusion, you know, sleight of hand and things like that. And then you say, how does that work? And they say, I'm not going to show you how it works. You'll kind of ruin the trick, right? I'm not going to show you how it works. And then after everybody leaves, I say, hey, man, how does it work? He said, okay, let me show you, Dave. Let me show you. And they'll show you how it works, right? He's showing you the behind-the-scenes stuff. Can I tell you, that's what Jesus did to his disciples, is he would speak one way to the big crowd, and then they would come off in private, you know, they would be off at the picnic table off to the side, and they would say, Master, I don't want to doubt you in front of all those people, but what did you mean when you said, drink of my blood and eat of my flesh? Or what did you mean when you were talking about the seed and the sower and the heart? And I don't want to doubt you, but tell, and what did the Bible say? Jesus would explain it to them. Jesus would explain to him why. They were his friends. They were the ones who followed him more closely. Can I tell you, when you follow the Lord more closely, it qualifies you to see God's plans, to see something deeper in the Lord. Let me show you one more verse. In fact, it's from the chapter preceding that in John chapter 14, verse 21. He says, he who has my commandments and keeps them, it's he who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him, notice, and I will manifest myself to him. Jesus will manifest himself to who? To the person who keeps his commands. See, we can sit and pray all day, God, show yourself to me, pour out your spirit on me, and you go, why isn't it happening? But God's telling you to do something very simple, and if we can't even do the simple things, then he can't reveal to us his ways and the depths of his heart. So number one is simple obedience qualifies us to see God's plan. Number two, 
Simple obedience opens up divine direction for you. Simple obedience opens up divine direction for you. If you, you want to know what God is saying in your life or what's the direction or what's the next step to take, simple obedience opens that up. Let me show that to you. In Mark chapter 4, Mark chapter 4 and verse 22, Jesus said, For there is nothing hidden which will not be revealed, nor has anything been kept secret but that it should come to light. Can I tell you, God's not trying to hide things from you. He says in verse 23, if anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. Well, how many of these people do you think had ears? Physical ears. They probably all had ears, right? In fact, they couldn't have even understood what he was saying. But how many had ears to hear? Well, certain one had ears to hear and certain ones didn't. We can sit and listen to someone speaking, and we know they're speaking, but we're not really listening to them. It's kind of like when you look at a kid, you ask them a question, and then they look at you with that blank stare. And you say, did you hear what I'm saying? Yeah, I heard you. What did I say? Can you say it again? <laughs> right. What, what are they saying? They had ears, but they didn't have ears to hear. They weren't listening. Can I tell you, we can hear God, and God can speak to us, and we can write it in our journals, and such and such, and you know, write down and say, oh, God is really working on me in this, and then five days later, we're dealing with some situation, and we're thinking, why am I dealing with this, and I don't know. We go back to God, and he reminds you that five days ago, he told you something to do that could have prevented that thing over here, and we're asking God for a rescue. Can you help me out? Can you bail me out? Can you do it? And God didn't only want to rescue. God wanted to prevent you from going through it. So it's not just listening to the Lord. It's hearing him and applying what he's saying. So simple obedience opens up divine direction. He says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Then he said to him, verse 24, take heed what you hear. With the same measure you use, it'll be measured to you. Underline that. With the same measure you use. What does you use? You apply you appropriate, you obey, you follow through. With the same measure you use what he's already given you, more will be given back to you. It'll be measured back to you. And to you who hear, more will be given. For whoever has to him, more will be given. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away. What is he saying? All of them had the opportunity to have, but one of them took what God told them and used it. And he says, whatever measure you use, it'll be measured back to you. Can I tell you, whatever measure you give to God, whatever measure you obey God, if you obey God 50%, 50% will be added back to you. If you obey God 100%, 100% will be measured back to you. If, if God tells you to do something and you do it two-thirds of the way, two-thirds of the way you'll get results. You choose the measure. We're asking God for a full measure back, but we want to give him 20% measure forward. He says, whatever measure you use, it'll be measured back to you. With the same measure you use, it'll be measured back to you. He says, Forever, whoever has, more will be given. But whoever does not have, even what he has, will be taken with the same measure you use, it'll be measured back to you. You determine the measure. So here's what God's saying. Use what you have now. Everything that you know that God is saying to do or calling you to step out and to do, do that with all of your heart. That's all you're responsible for. And what will happen? More will be given to you. When I was in college, I taught music lessons for a while because I, you know, supported my way through college. And, uh, and I had, you know, a number of students, uh, piano students and guitar students and such, and I would teach lessons. 
And I remember that I would teach a lesson. I would sit down and just teach a basic lesson of, you know, some scales and some chords and just give them something very, very easy to practice. And I'd say, every day, I want you to take these scales and I want you to play the scales for uh, 15 minutes a day for these scales. And I want you to play these chords, you know, for for another 10 minutes a day, and then I want you to read music for a certain amount of time, and then I want you to just have fun for another, and I would give them kind of a, a thing to do. And I can't tell you how many times people would come back, and they would say, okay, teach me. And I would say, okay, what do you think I would do? I would go back to the last lesson, and I would say, let's review what I told you. And sometimes they'd go, well, David, I don't want to learn that. I want to learn the good stuff. You know what I mean? Like, I want to play. I don't want to do that. I want to play. And I would go, okay, but I want you to try to understand you can't play unless you can play, like unless you can you know the foundation and the basics. So I can't go past the basics. If you don't even know what a D note is, how can I teach you to play in the key of D? And they go, oh, okay, so show it to me again. And I go back over the basics with them. Wasted their money, wasted their lesson, wasted my time. And eventually, if they wasted my time enough, I'd just cancel lessons with them because it wasn't about the money. It was about trying to help. Well, some of it was about the money. I need some money. But, but it was about helping them. But if I realized that they weren't catching the basics, see, sometimes what we want to do is say, God, show me the good stuff. And God's showing us the basics. And we're saying, God, I don't want that. I want the stuff like they got or like they have or like they're walking in or they're flowing in. Why can't I flow in that? And you go, but that is based on this. And you got to get this before you get that. Because if you get that before you get this, you're going to wreck yourself. So what do you have to do? You have to do whatever he's telling you to do is where you are. But it's so basic. That's where you are embrace wherever you are embrace it's a blessing to you you'll eventually get past it but embrace where you are simple obedience simple obedience you don't get to the deep things of God by skipping over the basic things you don't get to the deep things of God by skipping over the basic things of God verse 25 he says whoever has has what has the ability to use what's been given him to whoever has, more will be given. If you were just a good steward of something and you were trying to teach someone about your business and you'd give someone a certain amount of your business and they did really well at it, what would you do? You'd give them a little bit more. Then you'd give them a little bit more. But if someone comes in and they're flaking out and they're not being good stewards over the little bit, you wouldn't give them anymore. Why? Because that's not good stewardship. The Lord wants to steward his gifts well. And if you want more from God, your only responsibility is to look at what he's already given you and to do well with it. Can I hear an amen in this church today? Amen. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10. Ephesians 2 verse 10 says that we are, in fact, I want you to look at that at the screens. Can we all read this together? Let's read it out loud and loudly. Ready? For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Walk in what? In the works that God's already prepared beforehand. Can I tell you, everything that the Lord's called you to walk in, he's already prepared. God is not calling you to be a trailblazer. Some people say, I'm a trailblazer. You may think you're a trailblazer, but the, if you want to follow the Lord, you have to follow a trail that's already been blazed. You have to follow something that's already been prepared for you. Maybe that's why you get so stressed out in serving God is because you're trying to do something for God that he hasn't already done for you. 
See, when he's already done it for you, it's easy and it's light. What did Jesus say? My yoke is easy and my burden is light. That's how you know that you're following the Lord and walking in his ways is because you're following what he's already prepared beforehand that you should just walk in them. You know, uh, how many how many of you have ever been to Costco before? You've been to Costco, okay. You know, one thing that I like about Costco is they have these prepared meals, okay, prepared, like they're, they're already done for you. And so, like, you can go down to Costco and you can say, huh, what do I feel like today? I want some enchiladas, right? And you can say, nah, I want some macaroni and cheese. Nah, I want a Caesar salad. Nah, I want, and you could pick whatever. Say, let's go back to the enchiladas, okay? You say, I want some enchiladas. You pick up some enchiladas. You, you, you say, I'm going to have some company over, so I'm going to have two packs of enchiladas. And you put them in the basket and you bring them home, okay? And you put them in the oven or the microwave or whatever and you heat them up. And then you put them on a plate and you serve them and you set them out for your guests. And your guests say, oh, those enchiladas were so good. And you look at them and you say, thank you. Thank you. And they say, was that your recipe? Well, no. And you're thinking, should I tell them it's Costco prepared enchiladas? I just, I just, uh, no, what do you do? You heat them up and you say, thank you. We wanted to have something special for you tonight. They were prepared for you. Now, were they prepared for them? They were prepared for them. But did you prepare them? No, you just heated them up. Can I tell you, the Bible says we're his workmanship created in Christ for good works which have been prepared for us that we should heat them up. What we have to do is find out what God's already prepared and, and, and I'm, I'm using the example of serving somebody. What is serving somebody? It's ministry. When I'm ministering to somebody, the ministry doesn't come out of something that I had to personally come up with and do all this. No, it's something that the Holy Spirit has prepared and I've prayed and spent time in his word to catch what he's prepared beforehand that I should serve them up. And when people come and say, great job, you're so gifted, you're so this, and people come and tell you. What a great job you've done. You know what you look at? You look and say, no, it's really the Lord. And they say, oh, you're so humble. And I said, no, I'm, tr I'm truthful. It's really the Lord. See, if God's really doing something, God's really doing something. And we, we should be able to give him back the credit. But I think sometimes we're trying to serve things that either we cook and God's not cooking. And we can't cook. Somebody just needs to admit they can't cook today. <laughs> Come on, look at your neighbor say, you can't cook today. Yeah, you need to find something that God has cooked and heat it up and serve that. I remember when we lived in Anaheim, we uh, had Disneyland passes, okay? And Disneyland's kind of the original, you know, place of Walt Disney and all that. And so uh, we got to the place with our Disneyland passes where our kids would say, I don't want to go to Disneyland. I hate Disneyland. <laughs> and they get so tired of Disneyland. But uh, we liked Disneyland because it was free after you got the passes, you know? You, uh, you could go there and it was, it was fun. And so, but I remember they had this one ride called Autopia. It was, uh, they had cars, but the cars were on a preordained track, okay? They were, our, they were on a track that you had to go. In other words, you could drive, you push down the gas, you turn the steering wheel, but you were on a track. You did have to go the direction. What if you'd, what if you'd get into Autopia and you said, but I want to drive. I want to drive that car. Well, first of all, if you could get the car off the track and get it out in the Disneyland, you could hurt somebody. 
because you drive around and you probably hit somebody and kill somebody, hurt somebody. And can I tell you, that's why sometimes we want to take God's car, God's track, and we want to put it off in somewhere else and say, why doesn't it work? Well, it doesn't work because it's the same car, it's the same function, it's all those things, but you're not on God's track. And so you're going to hurt somebody. You're not going to get any progress. You're not going to get around the track. So we'd go on this Autopia track, and the kids would feel so good. You know, they're seven years old, eight years old. Woo, I drove today. I drove to. Did they drive? They did drive. But they were on a pre-set track. God never intended for us to have to figure things out on our own. I believe that this is why stress comes so much. And let me tell you, I'm speaking to somebody today. Somebody in here is stressed because you're trying to figure it all out. God doesn't want you to figure it out. God just wants you to follow him. God just wants you to do what he's telling you to do. He's already got it all figured out. Psalms uh, 37, 23 says, The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his way. I want you to notice two things. The steps are ordered, and God delights in his way. Your steps are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in your way. I, I think it's funny because God is saying, Son, daughter, your steps are ordered of me, and if you'll follow those steps, know that they're my steps. He says, and I love the way you're going. Why does he love the way you're going? Because it's his way. It would be like a personal trainer that would train somebody on how to exercise and work out and how to lift, and the person's following those steps and doing the things, and the trainer looks at them and goes, I love the way you work out. (laughs) Well, he trained them how to work out. He told them what to do. They're doing his routine. God loves the way you're going because you're going in God's way. He says the steps of a good man are ordered and he delights in your way. God has a way and a track for you to run on. Every person in here, God has a way for you to go and a track for you to run on. And you, you don't need to be a trailblazer. He's already blazed the trail. Remember Jesus said to Saul in Acts chapter 26, Saul was persecuting the church, and he said in Acts 26, 14, and when we all had fallen to the ground, I heard a voice speaking to me and saying in the Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Listen to this. It's hard for you to kick against the goads. So I said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I'm Jesus whom you are persecuting. What was Paul doing? Paul was hitting against guardrails. You know, when you're driving along and you see in the road the grooves that are cut in the concrete and you go over and it goes, you know, you, do, you like that? And every, just about every trip, that's when Tiffany yells at me. She goes, honey, what are you doing? I go, I'm just making sure you're awake. This is what Paul's doing, though, is Paul is going along in his way, and and Jesus stops him and says, it's hard for you to kick against the goats. What is he saying? He's saying, there's pricks on either side of the road, and you're bumping this side, and you're bumping this side, and you're saying, it's so hard. Paul looks at him, and he says, well, who are you? And he says, I'm Jesus, and you're persecuting me. If you're trying to go your own way, it's going to be difficult for you. So hard to serve the Lord so hard to serve the Lord. I think you could say it this way. It's so hard to serve the Lord and do it my way too. So hard to go God's way, but do my steps. (laughs) Have you ever tried it before? So hard to follow the way of God and do my own steps, right? And your steps could be different. The rich young ruler came and said, I've done this, I've done this, I've done this, I've done this. And Jesus said, one thing you lack, he wasn't saying that to everybody, one thing you lack, for you, 
you need to sell all that you have and give it to the poor. Notice he didn't say give it to me. Jesus wasn't trying to get the money. Jesus was trying to get something to him. Sell all that you have and give it to the poor and come and follow me. That's what you lacked, right? To, to somebody else, it may be, you know, maybe he's telling his disciples, leave fishing and come be fishers of men. For Paul, it was lay down all of these accomplishments and all these things. And he said, all these things I had to lay down so that I may gain Christ. But for you, it may be something different. What is it that he's asking you to lay down that you're kicking against? That it's rough for you. What makes it rough to serve the Lord? It's usually those things. What do you keep hitting a wall up against and you go, ouch, ouch, ouch. And eventually you either just stop serving God or you just go slower so that you don't get hit as much. What do we need to do? Well, the way is easy when we just follow his steps and his path. So, uh, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Are you hitting guardrails in your life? And then number three is simple obedience opens up divine provision. Simple obedience opens up divine provision. How many could use some divine provision? What does that mean? It means supply, money, help. Well, is that wrong? It's wrong if you're doing it against the Lord. But when God blesses you, the blessing of the Lord makes one rich and adds no sorrow to it, the Bible says. God doesn't have a problem with people being wealthy and rich. God has a problem them getting it on their own and that becoming a God to them. And the love of money is the root of all evil, the Bible says. But simple obedience opens up divine provision. Remember Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. Because he leads me, what? I shall not want. Another version says, I shall not lack. Psalm 34 verse 10 says, the young lions lack and suffer hunger, but those who seek the Lord shall not lack any good thing. Simple obedience opens up divine provision. When he's your shepherd, he can also be your supplier. Notice what he says. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. Well, if you're a sheep, what's your prosperity? <laughs> grass. If you're a sheep, what's your blessing? It's grass. It's green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. What's waters? It's, it's, it's the refreshing. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. He says, I shall not want I don't lack anything. I have green pastures. I have still waters. I have a restored soul. And then Jesus said in Luke chapter 6, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't do the things which I say? Why are you acting like you're following me, but you're not? Because whoever comes to me, hears my sayings and does them, he's like a man that has a solid foundation. And when the storms hit, he's going to stand up in times of trouble. What is he saying? He's saying, why do you want God's house but you don't want to follow God's blueprints for it. Why do you want to live in God's house, but you don't want to follow God's blueprints? Why do you want to follow God's plans? You want the result of God's plans, but you don't want the way that, to get those plans. So what did he say? So he said, come to me, hear my sayings, and then do them. The one who's not solid, it come and hear and didn't do. The only difference was what you did with what he said or not. Matthew 6:33, seek first the kingdom of God and things will be added to you. Provision comes through simple obedience. Seek first the kingdom of God. John 15:7, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask and it'll be done for you. God's not trying to hold things back. He just wants to make sure that we're obeying him. God's not looking to his children to provide for him. I don't look to my kids and I say can I borrow some money? Hey, you know, um, could you provide for us? No, I don't, I don't say that to my kids. God's not looking to you for provision. God wants to provide for you. 
God wants to take care of every one of your needs. We're talking about, and we're wrapping up this series, how to really know God. Can I tell you, one of the ways to really know God, to know his heart, is to know his plan for you is better than your plan for you. His plan for your life is better than your plan for your life. And what we need to do is just have simple obedience. Trust him. Follow what he's saying. Even if you don't understand the whole plan and the whole way, follow his steps. Follow his voice. Follow what he's saying to do. Simple obedience is a blessing. It's not a curse. Let me close with this. I remember when the Lord spoke to my heart and said, I want you to go plant a church. I had way more questions than I even knew how to put into a prayer. And I just said, well, God, I'm already at a church. <laughs> I don't need a church. And then when the Lord put on our hearts to go plant a church, I've told the Lord personally, and I've told Tiffany dozens of times, if we ever go pastor a church, I will never plant a church. Because planting a church is tough. Because you're starting with nothing. I'd rather go find a church with a retired pastor who has a building who has a congregation, who has something already established and that I can go and because I love the Lord and because I love people, that I can go and help establish and build up the ministry and lead people to Christ and we can get going. But I do not want to start a church. I've told the Lord I'm just not going to do it. I told Tiffany, we're not going to do it. And when the Lord put on our hearts Memphis, Tennessee, the very first thing I, you know, I'm looking and I'm thinking, well, there's already a bunch of churches all the reasons, all the things of what to do. And I'll tell you what, then there came my kids. I don't know what to do with my kids. I have four kids. They're all in school. One of them has been in school for years, same school. They all have friends. They all have identity. They all have all these things. I don't know how it's going to work. And then I thought of a salary. Lord, I'm already, I'm, I work full-time in a church. I'm, I'm in a house. My mom is out, you know, living close to us and there's a lot of responsibilities that I have, Lord. You don't e I wanted to say, you, you don't even know what you're asking. And I brought it back to the Lord several times. And, and I just said, I don't know how to do it. I don't even know where to start. And here's what the Lord said to me. Start with just the next thing I'm telling you to do. And from the time of a year and a half ago to right now, it's been a series of dozens and dozens, probably hundreds of steps. One step, one step, one step, one step. And people go, how did you get from there to here? I say one step at a time, one step at a time. In your life, what is the next thing God's saying to do? Simple obedience. Simple obedience. How to really know God. How to really just not know his person, but know his ways. Know who he is. Know where he's leading you. Know where he's guiding you. Because can I tell you, when you know God, you'll get to know you. When you get to really know God and his purpose, you'll really discover you and your purpose and who he's called you to do. If you don't find out the deep things of God, You'll never find out the deep things of you and you'll always live a shallow life. And I know that's not what none of us want to live. Would you bow your heads with me right now? Close your eyes. Well, I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. And if you did, I'd like to ask you to subscribe to our show. That way the most recent episode will always be in your feed, ready when you are. 
God bless you, and I'll see you next time on the Memphis Tabernacle Podcast. Yeah.